0: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
1: Guests yeah. appear on the Superbook Sports phone line. Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook Sports Tennessee app today with Jason to and John. Home. Live from the Tops Barbecue Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN.
0: Jason Fitz. Was rewarded for his loyalty on Sunday, joins us every single week here on the show, catch him on Spain and Fitz on ESPN, and he's on TikTok, writing songs about the NFL weeks that happen. He joins us now. Fitz, what's up, man?
2: Man, you know what? I'm just living that dream. I'm sitting in a hotel in Vegas, looking at beautiful Allegiant Stadium, got my feet up, the uh, windows open. Life is good. Victory Monday. I forgot what it felt like spend, you know, a long time feels good. Feels yeah.
0: good. Yeah, that was uh You deserve it. That was fun. That was fun. I like I I didn't even like tweet about it cuz you know when the, when you're 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 1 in 3, right? Your your road is so long, but it's also like okay as a fan. It reminded me a little bit of when Memphis basketball had some lean years, right? And they weren't going to the NCAA tournament, and they weren't ranked, and they weren't getting top recruiting classes. Still, beating Cincinnati, right, when they would still pick up those random wins against Cincinnati, they still were very meaningful. And that's kind of, you know, the Raiders' season is not technically over, but that's kind of how that felt. Like, I don't know what it means. I don't know what it's going to mean. But it's always fun to beat the Denver Broncos.
2: Here's the craziest thing for every football fan to realize. If you look right now at the standings, in the AFC, for example, and you take your division leaders. That would be currently uh, the Dolphins, uh, the Chiefs, the Browns, and the Jags. Amazingly, you take so you take those division leaders out. There's only one team left, not in that that name group I just named, with a winning record. The Bills at three and one. Everybody else in the AFC right now is either two and two or one and three. And I think what we need to and eight games yesterday in the early slate. We're down to one score in the fourth quarter. You think about what this year's NFL season is, it's about margins. Like There aren't going to be a lot of blowouts. It's going to be a tough year for anybody that likes to bet on these games. If you look at it, everybody at this point still has a shot. Other than the Texans at 0-3-1, I think everybody in the AFC still has a very legitimate playoff shot. Even the putrid Steelers still have a shot.
0: Moving on to other NFL matters, whose performance were you more impressed by yesterday? Josh Allen
2: or Patrick Mahomes? I think Patrick Mahomes, because of the defense he was doing it against. I mean, I, I went into that game thinking, okay, Tampa Bay's defense is really good and their offense stinks. So, you know, this would be an interesting challenge because last week what we saw was the Colts decided just to man up on the wide receivers for the Chiefs, and it worked. So I was interested to see what the the change was this week, and Mahomes was virtually unstoppable. I mean, that, that was vintage everything that, that makes Mahomes – the best uh, in the league when he plays that way. So uh, th- at some point, while we love the brand of the Ravens defensively, if you look at the metrics, they're near the bottom of the league in passing defense. They're near the bottom of the league in defense right now. So Tua carved him up. So I'm not surprised that Josh Allen was able to get it done. I was surprised that Patrick Mahomes made it look that easy against the Bucks defense. It is very good.
1: Who, who do you blame more, Harbaugh, Harbaugh not kicking the field goal, or the fact that Lamar throws it up to get picked there, and then you you know you you move them out uh, uh, out to the out to the twenties? Which who's more at fault for Baltimore's loss there?
2: Harbaugh. And if Hackett had done the same thing, like we would be just absolutely up in arms today, right? Like that was a bad decision. I know it's tempting to go for fourth and goal from the two yard line, but. Tempting isn't always what you should do. You're in a close game, and you're in a close game where your defense has played well enough to put you in that situation to win. At least give your guys a shot. I I, I thought it was also kind of crazy to me reading the post game press conference uh, where Harbaugh came out and said, "Look, I I you know looking at the worst case scenario, uh, I liked the worst case scenario better of scoring a touchdown because at the worst we're going to go to overtime. Well, when do you ever win games when you're coaching for worst case scenarios? So I I, I think it was a terrible call by Harbaugh. I, I mean. Look, I understand he's got a, a body of work that deserves a, a tip of the cap, but that doesn't mean he doesn't make mistakes. I think that was a, a, just a flat-out blatant mistake. They cost him an opportunity to win a game they needed.
0: Yeah, it sort of felt like it's shaping up for uh, you know Buffalo and Kansas City. I don't know, man. I just I, I was so blown away by what Patrick Mahomes was doing yesterday. Now, I know this is like a second consecutive Patrick Mahomes question for me, but I just feel like when he's doing that – you know, when he's basically like, you know, throwing up alley-oop lobs in the end zone? Like, I don't know. I came up – I mean, that's a Super Bowl caliber win last night to me. Like, that feels like – I know the Buffalo Bills are technically the favorites right now. I don't know how – that. and I guess maybe you would say defense, but it's not like the Bills' defense is all there either, right? I mean, they're banged up and Micah, Micah Hyde is out for the year. I just feel like the Chiefs should be the favorites right now based on last night.
2: Yeah, but the problem is last week against the Colts, the Chiefs didn't look like mm-hmm. world beaters, so – like I don't know how to I don't know how to make that make sense in my mind. Like were they just overlooking mm-hmm. the Colts and they were up for this game? You know I yeah. I, I don't know. I mean I, the the Chiefs on paper should be able to beat everybody by forty all the way across the board. So should the Bills. But I'm with you. I think the Bills and and the Chiefs. And I would add if there's another team that that has shown Super Bowl caliber tendencies, it's the Eagles to me. I mean they go down fourteen nothing and they just rage back and and handle the Jags easily, I think that was a big win for Philly. Those are the only three teams in the NFL right now I feel like I have any confidence
1: in. That's where I was going, is Philly. I mean, it feels official that they're the best team in the NFC right now. Who gets the most credit for them right now, Fitzy, with where the Eagles are?
2: Uh, Peterson, uh, without, without question. And, you know, there was a really interesting moment, guys. Like, I don't take too much in the, you know, game handshakes and everything. There was a funny moment on Twitter last night where, um, Jason Kelsey uh, came up to do sort of a jersey swap with Peterson. Peterson gave him his rain trench jacket, and they were laughing about it. Well, what really hit me there was the genuine love between coach and player, and another player whose name escapes me walks up to him in that moment and also taps him. And you could just see that those Eagles players still really have like heartfelt love for their coach. and. You know, that's not always the case when guys walk out the building. I think that's a special moment, and it speaks to Doug Peterson's ability to connect. And I, that's what he's he's absolutely done in Jacksonville. So I want to give him a ton of credit for what he's done there. But really, as much as he had Jacksonville fired up uh, and ready to play, the Eagles just – Eagles look better. I mean, uh, at some point, Hurts Hertz is playing like an MVP candidate. They've given him every single weapon. And Sirianni is quietly a coach of the year candidate too. Like we love the Jag story, yes. but Philly is clearly the best team in the NFC.
0: We're talking to Jason Fitz here on the show. Joins us every single Monday. Um, the Phoenix Suns lost to a team from Australia yesterday. I know it's kind of it's crazy that we're you know we're we're talking NBA basketball, but it's here. Um, I don't know. Like there was a you know it's an exhibition and whatever. Uh, so I'm not trying to like, go crazy. I, I just remember when Memphis basketball lost an exhibition to Christian Brothers here in, in Memphis, and it actually was. It was like an omen for what was to come. Um, is there any of that here with Phoenix?
2: I think Phoenix is going to be the biggest dumpster fire in the NBA this year, and it's not because of their ownership situation. Like To me, when DeAndre Ayton came out in the first day of media and said he had not spoken to, to the coach since Game 7, Of last year, like, not at all. They hadn't had a single conversation. And, you know, I realized Monty Williams came out later and said, well, I'm trying to give the guys their space. So you're telling me that your guy went out on the open market then signed a historic deal for the franchise, and you never even called him? You haven't talked to him at all since the Game 7 where he was sat down? It doesn't make any sense. And when reporters asked him what he would say now to Monty, he said, I'm not going to say anything. I guess I'll just let my play do the talking. When your star that just got paid that much money – is obviously that against your coach still for decisions that were made last year? That's the sort of stuff that lingers. Because man, when when money comes over to the bench and starts yelling, why why do we have any indication that DeAndre Ayton is not just going to roll his eyes and shut him out? And it only takes one person in a small locker room to have that impact. I, I think the Suns are going to fall apart and implode this year. They're they're not coming together in the moment of like this is difficult. You know, as a Raiders fan, I watched the locker room last year deal with some very difficult situations and it seemed to bring them together. From the outset, the Suns still look shell-shocked, and frankly, there's not any indication that they're out there playing for each other to get through it either. So I'm out on the Suns completely. Hammer the under on the win total.
1: College football, uh, Alabama gets the win. They handle Arkansas, move back to number one. But how concerned, Fitzy, are you about the Bryce Young shoulder injury?
2: No, uh, that's massive. I I have the luck of working with A.J. McCarron on Saturdays, and the minute that uh, Bryce was hit, A.J. said, yeah, he just sprained his uh, shoulder and his A.C. joint. He said the same exact thing happened to me. And so I sat there and got stories for an hour of how they had to give A.J. three different injections to numb his shoulder to the point that he could lift it. And he wasn't able for the rest of the season to practice at all. They knew they needed to do surgery, but they couldn't, they couldn't let their starting quarterback go out in the national championship year. So he would all week, he would just hand off during practices couldn't throw the football, and then on Saturdays, they give him three different injections to numb him up enough to the point that he could throw. And the first throw every week was the first throw you saw on the field on Saturday before the game. And that's the exact uh, injury that we're looking at for for Bryce Young. I, I think this is a huge concern because Alabama, unlike when A.J. was playing, Alabama isn't far and away clear head and shoulders better than everybody. So, you know, I think if you're Georgia who hasn't played well the last couple of weeks, you're still looking at it saying, okay, Like we now see the window of opportunity because maybe you can numb him up, but when he plays up against the defensive line like Georgia's going to give him in the SEC championship game, he's going to get hit a lot, and that I think it's a huge concern for Alabama.
0: There was a good tweet I saw this morning uh, about Kansas, Kansas State, and Wake Forest. They're combined thirteen and two this season, and the one thing that they all have in common is that they have coaches who were first really successful. Head coaches at the FCS level, right? These are not guys that just were defensive coordinators or offensive coordinators in an SEC job. They were at a lower level doing it as head coaches. Do you think that I, you know, college athletics tend to be, you know, copycat? Do you think we're going to see more guys like that getting shots based on the success that you know Dave Clawson and 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 the coach of Kansas and can like that that they're having?
2: Here is the only problem with that: like that was the same methodology that got us to Scott Frost. So to me, like it's there's a, a line, there's a middle ground in the middle of all of it. Like Lance Leipold is a buddy of mine, and I watched Lance Leipold. I have a Wisconsin Whitewater jersey in my house for he used to come out to country music shows whenever we played in Wisconsin. I've known Lance for 15 years. I have a Wisconsin Whitewater jersey. I have a University of Buffalo jersey, and uh, I'm sure I'll get a Kansas jersey if I ever want one, right? But you think about the trajectory there. Kansas had no expectations. Wake Forest has no expectations. Kansas State has very low expectations, right? So, yes, they went from, uh, you know, group of five jobs to power five jobs, but they're not power five jobs that have a million eyeballs. And there were definitely some points even last year where people were trying to say the light bulb was in over his head, and now he's the golden child that everybody wants to hire. So, you know, to me, it's, it's the next step in the trajectory. So if you're telling me that schools are going to pluck from smaller schools to try and bring them up, as long as they're doing that in the right way, then I think that that makes a lot of sense. But if you're going to just if suddenly you're Wisconsin and you want to hire you know a, a, the coach at Miami of Ohio, I don't know that you really have much to go on there. I think there has to be steps before you get to the LSU job, and that's what so often athletic directors forget. I want a guy if I if I'm on a prominent if I'm Nebraska, I want somebody that has been prominent enough at the highest possible level. To understand who they're going to be as a coach and how they'll handle that platform. And you don't have that if you go hire Dion. I don't care what anybody says, you're not. You have a, an unknown, complete unknown. And if you hire wrong and a complete unknown, you set your program back three years at least.
1: There's dis- a bigger disappointment in college football than Texas A and I mean, just the fact that they're not that game day's not going here. And I love the your, your guy Lytle, the job he's done at Kansas. I love that game day's going to Lawrence. But we had this one circled, and Texas A and M hadn't held up its end of the bargain.
2: Yeah, biggest disappointment in college football, maybe the biggest disappointment in all sports this year, honestly. Like, you can't talk that talk this summer and then tell me, you know, oh my God, uh, we're going to go out there and show them what we got two years in a row. Mm -hmm. You got these conversations about illegal recruiting. Well, you know, last time I checked, he's not called the head football recruiter. He's called the head football coach. And Jimbo doing a good job of getting him in, but. The only thing saving his job right now is the just maniacal buyout on that thing. I think it would cost $100 million to fire him at this point. We should all be so lucky to do our job poorly and get a $100 million check. But uh, I would say, like, yeah, A&M not looking good. They don't have an offensive identity. They don't know what they're doing at the quarterback position. Their offensive line isn't very good. Like Alabama, with a backup quarterback, can still beat this A&M team by 40. It's going to be ugly.
0: Yeah, Fitz, uh, you are not ugly. You are a very handsome man. We appreciate Congrats your time all every the wind, single brother. Monday. Thank you, Go brother Raiders. You guys are the best. Have a great week. Yeah, he care, is brother. Jason Fitz. doing us every Monday. You're, everybody's handsome when you are wearing Raiders gear. By the way, it's one of those things. It's like an aphrodisiac when you wear like a Raider hoodie or something. That's why it's my entire wardrobe, bro. I mean, when you see when you see somebody walking down the street in a Raider outfit, it's like that dude's got his life together.
1: No, I don't think that at all. Huh? And you would only have said that. You know, after this win, when y'all were zero and three, you're like, "Why is he still got that on? Uh, well, that, that's what you would have said. What I've
0: done is I've made a very bad bet. I, I, I my entire wardrobe consists of Raider stuff, and I've got more coming. Um, and uh, yeah, here we are. So, I uh, appreciate Jason Fitz for joining appreciate us him. on the show. We'll be back, Jason and John, on you Turn FM, ESPN.